This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. Oh man, we got a ton of great content for you here this morning. We we probably won't be able to get to it all. Uh, and even if we had time to get to it all, we would want to free up time for your phone calls. We've got the phone lines open for you right now, 406-294-0970. Uh, if I said that too fast, download the Montana Talks app on your smartphone. There's a little call button right there. You don't even have to remember the phone number. Just think, press that number, press that little button, calls the studio. You're being heard across Montana, and you can even send us a quick little message. I know some folks are a little microphone shy, so you can just type up a quick little message, and we'll share it over the uh, the airwaves for you here. Or if you just want to send us a private message uh, with a good lead on information, that's all right, too. We always appreciate that. Uh, in fact, uh, we got your leads, two different leads on information last week that gave us uh, extra insight on those stabbing incidents in Bozeman. Uh, yes, the two uh, the two people that were arrested following those stabbing incidents in Bozeman, they are in jail on an ICE hold, on an Immigration and Customs Enforcement hold. So the two people with the Hispanic-sounding names, uh, if you were wondering what's their immigration status, yes, we've confirmed they're in jail on an ICE hold. But then we had other people message us saying, hey, whoa, 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 we, did, we had another stabbing incident up here in northwest Montana. And those were illegal aliens involved in that. But you didn't read anything about that in the local uh, media. None of the newspapers reported that fact. Uh, but that, maybe maybe they just didn't think. Maybe it was their initial report. Well, don't worry. We've done the extra reporting for you. I've now confirmed with Flathead County. I have a statement from the Flathead County Sheriff's Office on our Montana Talks uh, website right now. Yep, we've confirmed it. Illegal aliens were involved in that stabbing incident in Kyla, Montana. So uh, both of those stories, the latest on our Montana Talks website right now. And for those of you just waking up and getting rolling with us here in the 7 o'clock hour of this show, we talked about this in the 6 o'clock hour. A big report out by FoxNews.com right now. Liberal Senator John Tester is staying quiet. He is saying nothing, much less doing anything. He is the chairman of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee. He is the one whose job is to stand up for our veterans. So when resources that should be dedicated to our veterans are instead being redirected to assisting illegal aliens for health care claims, you would think that the chairman of the VA committee would be saying something about it. But no, John Tester is staying quiet about it. John Tester is responsible for this invasion of illegal aliens. John Tester continues to do nothing about it. Just like John Tester did nothing to get the Keystone XL pipeline up and running. John Tester is allowing this country to be invaded. And then as his own buddies in the Biden administration take resources that should be going to our veterans and and resources that should be helping out the great men and women that work in our VA facilities here in Montana. No, those those resources are being redirected to help illegal aliens. And John Tester isn't saying or doing squat about it. Is this the year Montana Republicans oust Tester? Great piece at rollcall.com. I shared part of it in the 6 o'clock hour, but the best info is yet to come right after this. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. There's an old saying on Capitol Hill, when you have the votes, you vote. 
That said, it's unclear whether the bipartisan coalition of Democratic Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, Arizona Independent Kristen Sinema, and Oklahoma Republican James Lankford ever had the votes for their border security plan. We may never know. But one thing's for sure. It appears that their bill, even though it wasn't finished, appeared to have a lot more votes and maybe could have passed in early January compared to February. This is not to project blame on the trio which negotiated the bill. There are only so many factors the senators can control. Writing legislation is an arduous, tedious process, but there were delays in releasing bill text. Time was not on their side. By contrast, time was on the side of the bill's opponents, and they worked the clock to their advantage, engineering a narrative about the legislation compared to the vacuum from the bill negotiators. That killed the bill. Was it dead on arrival? Hardly. This bill was doomed before departure. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. Here's a look at your real weather. For Billings and Bozeman, with sunny to partly cloudy skies across the area for today. High temperatures will range around 40 in Bozeman to the mid-40s in the Billings area. For tonight, partly to mostly cloudy skies, slight chance for a rain shower in the evening, turning to snow shower chance late in the Bozeman area. Temperatures head back down to the mid and upper 20s. Tuesday with sunshine, highs head in the 40s to 50s. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Trombley. Talking about the issues that matter to Montana statewide. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, paging Jeremy Carl, paging Jeremy Carl in Bozeman of the uh, Claremont Institute. If you haven't seen this roll call piece, I think you're going to be very interested in some of the numbers here because we've been talking and you know, we've had kind of this ongoing dialogue about okay, how much more conservative has Montana gotten? since 2020 because you know you take a place like like the gallatin valley and you know pre-covid pre pre-rona you had all these you know latte liberals from san francisco and seattle moving in you know they they, they destroyed san francisco and the seattle and then they thought oh let's go make a smaller one in bozeman and so they started piling in and but then post-rona Man, all these people who finally had enough, these these, you know, these, you know, good folks from California and some other states who have finally just said, that's it. I can't bear it any longer. I'm getting the heck out of there. These conservative political refugees started bailing and coming to places like Texas, Florida and Montana. So how much more conservative is Montana now? Uh, we'll get to those numbers here in just a second. But first, Robert in Belgrade. Great to hear from you. What's on your mind? Well, talking about the border. How many people came across in the last year? Ten million. God, it's a, it's what is it? Over twelve million since Joe Biden was you know first installed as president and John Tester became chair of the VA committee. I mean, larger than the population of the state of Ohio. Over ten times the population size of Montana. Well, yeah, ten times of Montana. You know how big our United States military is? All of the branches put together. Oh man! Well, it's it's the smallest it's been in eighty years. Is <laughs> the last numbers I heard? Oh yeah, because it's all volunteer. But uh, one point four million compared to what people have come across the border, which are mostly military aged males sneaking in across the border. Well, yeah, but we our our military is only one point four million compared. That's a fraction of what's coming across the border. 
Yeah. Of course, the largest real army in the world is American hunters. You know, we're <laughs> that's right. What, Thirty some million, and a lot of them are sharpshooters. That's right. Another, some of them are some of them are better better shooters than a lot of the folks in the military, even you know. Yeah, you know, and these people that did the stabbing in Bozeman, they're on hold from ICE, so they're just going to take them back to the border and push them across, no conviction, so they can come right back. You know. Yeah. Apparently that was the case with these uh, two illegals that were involved in that stabbing incident in northwest Montana is they'd already been kicked out of the country and then they come back in, you know, commit more crimes, take them back out, and then they're going to come back in. I mean, it's just this revolving door. I mean, it's like uh, it, it's it, it's so insane. And then, and then to hear that John Tester is not even saying a peep. I mean, you would think the guy would at least try to virtue signal and at least try to care about the fact that the VA is diverting resources to illegal aliens. But the chairman of the VA committee, nope, isn't going to say a word about that. Robert, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. All right. How much more conservative has Montana become, say, since 2006 when John Tester was elected? This was a piece by David Winston. I think it was at RollCall.com. When it comes to ideology... There is no question Tester is facing an uphill battle. Self-identified conservatives as a share of the electorate have gone from 34 percent in 2006 to 39 percent in 2012. In 2018, conservatives outnumbered moderates 42 percent to 38 percent. In 2020, conservatives jumped to 47 percent, which helped Trump win the state, of course, by an even bigger margin. But uh, but anyway, uh, Yeah, so the numbers are increasing. Uh, Tester, on the other hand, has been able to win just enough of that crucial conservative vote to eke out three close victories, winning 15 percent of conservatives in in 2006 and in 2012. However, his share dropped to 12 percent in 2018. Now, I would add that the reason his share dropped in 2018 is because we had Donald J. Trump holding multiple rallies here in Montana and, and shining a bright spotlight on John Tester back in 2018. Over his previous two successful re-election bids, Tester has also relied on his strength with independence to get him across the finish line. That's important because one of the most startling political trends in Montana is the steady increase in independence as a percentage of the electorate, a shift not limited to Montana. Uh, Largely, this is my take here, why that number is increasing is because a lot of people are embarrassed by the Democrat Party. They don't want to call themselves Democrats, but they still, by and large, will vote Democrat. All right, back to this David Winston piece here. In Tester's first re-election in 2012, independents overtook Republicans 40% to 33%. Democrats rounded that out at third with 27%. Six years later, independents had increased to 45% of the electorate. Republicans bounced back in 2020 to 37%, but independents still came out ahead with 41%. With 41%. And I think what, what drove the independents in 2012 to help Democrats was Barack Obama. I mean, he had, he had an appeal in, 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 in 2012 to, to some of those younger, uh, more independent voters. I mean, you're, and you're seeing more and more Obama voters who then voted for Trump, right? Okay, uh, here's the other piece I, I highlighted. Tester's strength with independence has steadily eroded since 2006, going from plus 24 points 
down to plus 10 in 2012 to plus five points in 2018. Trump won independence by 15 points in 2020. This is a negative trend for tester that should buoy the hopes of Republicans this fall. So again, I think the big takeaway from this piece is that conservatives and Republicans cannot take this race for granted. And they've got to unite and they've got to fight. But but the other thing is here is, okay, Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot. That is very encouraging. Well, we'll see what shenanigans they try to pull, right? But that should be very helpful to any Republican on the ballot this fall. Also, uh, Tester, the only group he has gained in support with is among women. I think Tim Sheehy can, beat, can do better against Tester with women and veterans, of course. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. It is National FFA Week, and members across Montana and the entire nation will celebrate agriculture, education, and FFA throughout the week. As part of National FFA Week, it's a time for FFA members and supporters to raise awareness about the National FFA Organization's role and the state organization's role in developing future leaders in agriculture and the importance of agriculture education. And if you get time, make sure and give on FFA Day, which is tomorrow on Tuesday. It's a great way to give a donation to your local chapter, the State FFA Foundation, or the National FFA Foundation. Are you concerned about the impact government policies could have on your cattle business? One way to make your voice heard in Washington is by joining NCBA. When you join, you'll be part of the nation's oldest and largest national cattle industry organization that has a professional team working in Washington, D.C. on issues that matter to cattle producing families nationwide. Don't stay on the sidelines. Make your voice heard by joining NCBA today at the website ncba.org. A higher trend continues in our local livestock markets this past week in Billings at the Billings Livestock Commission. The five to five and a half weight steers were priced at three thirty-three to three dollars and forty-nine cents a pound, with the five and a half to six weights two ninety-four up to three dollars and thirty-three cents. I'm Lane North Blonde. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Oh, this was another interesting message uh, regarding liberal Senator John Tester. John Tester uh, being called out in a foxnews.com piece this morning for basically uh, saying nothing. He's the chairman of the Senate VA committee, and he's saying nothing about the fact that VA resources are being diverted away from serving our veterans to serving illegal aliens instead. But here's another. This is kind of an interesting story here. Um, I'll, have, I'll have to look into this a little bit more. I got an, an email here from, uh, let's see, Bill Wagner, a retired airline pilot who was forced to retire on his 65th birthday, Senator John Tester voted against raising the airline pilot retirement age from 65 to age 67. But Senator Tester thinks it's quite acceptable for him to run to be reelected to his U.S. Senate seat at age 68 and serve until he's 74. And clearly, he thinks President Biden is quite capable of being president at age 81 and beyond. Am I missing something here, or is Senator Tester just an arrogant hypocrite? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, Bill, I'm sure you're a great pilot. I'm sure you know how to land that plane. I mean, look at these guys. They are, they are, they've got this country in a nosedive right now. John Tester and Joe Biden, both of them. I mean, they cannot, they cannot uh, be in the cockpit right now. But boy, they, they took you out of the cockpit, didn't they? Man, that was an interesting email I got. I think that came in, uh, yeah, over the weekend, I think it was. It came in Saturday morning. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't re read more about that report. Uh, Tom and Billings, here's the message Tom and Billings sent us a couple of nights ago. So a court-appointed overseer is going to run Trump's New York businesses for three years? Want to guess where the new illegal immigrant housing is going to be placed? Uh, that was uh, sent in from Tom, uh, retired U.S. Army. Tom, thanks for that message. All right, so what's the story here? Yeah, this is just part of the continued political persecution of Navalny. I'm, I'm sorry, the continued political persecution of Donald J. Trump. Here's the scene setter for you first because, uh, of course, Trump is on the campaign trail. Man, I can't believe it. Is the South Carolina primary already this week? Let me uh, let me cue up this uh, soundbite for you here. Let's see. At a rally in Michigan last night, Trump spent a bulk of his remarks on legal issues, including the $355 million judgment against him Friday in that civil fraud trial. The former president called it election interference. The case is a complete and total sham. It's a sham case. There were no victims, no defaults, no damages, no complaints, no nothing. There was nothing. We've been trying to gauge South Carolina voters and their feelings on uh, the former president's list of court cases. So far, it doesn't appear that they have changed any minds because, honestly, sometimes for voters, you know, they have a lot going on in their own lives and they can be hard to differentiate from each other. All right. Yeah. Apparently, the uh, South Carolina primary is this week. And uh, yeah, believe it or not, but Nikki Haley, the former South Carolina governor, uh, is still in the race. Although she is down big time in the polls, apparently. The latest Monmouth University poll puts former Governor Haley 26 percentage points behind former President Donald Trump. And last night in Michigan, the dominating GOP contender, he spoke very little of uh, South Carolina and really Haley by name, focusing a bulk of his remarks on his ongoing legal battles, including Friday's $355 million judgment against him in a civil fraud trial. The case is a complete and total sham. It's a sham case. There were no victims, no defaults, no damages, no complaints, no nothing. There was nothing. Well, Trump did say last night that combating legal weaponization will be his top priority in the White House. Haley feels that there are more pressing issues for voters. Of course, there are victims in that. I'm glad we heard that sound by the second time. There are victims in that case. There were no victims of Donald J. Trump, of course. We, the American people, are the victims here. We are the ones who are being mistreated by this continued political persecution against President Donald J. Trump. Ted Cruz was on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo yesterday, said it very well. Look, I think we are seeing a systematic and sustained assault on the rule of law. We're seeing an assault on the Constitution, and we're seeing fundamentally an assault on democracy. What, what has happened in Washington, it's really frightening and it's really sad. Democrats have become radicalized and they have decided that partisan politics matters more than the rule of law. They're willing to weaponize the Department of Justice. They're willing to utterly abuse government power to try to stay in power. The, the judge's decision in New York is an outrage. This was a partisan Democrat judge adjudicating on a case brought by a partisan Democrat attorney general. She campaigned, Letitia James campaigned on saying, I'm going to get Donald Trump. She got in front of this smirking, sanctimonious partisan Democrat 
who then in that case understand this judge just ordered Donald Trump to pay over $350 million for an offense that had no victim, that involved giant international banks that made money, didn't lose money, and that were eager to loan more money. And the entire thesis of it was, well, they say Trump overstated the value of his real estate. The last I checked, these banks were not fragile, vulnerable consumers. They went in and valued the real estate. They were eager to make the loans. They made money on it. And they wanted to make more. But what this is... All right, let's hold it right there. Back in 60 seconds. News. I'm Therese Crowley. On this American President's Day, discussions about dealing with Russian President Putin with worldwide protests over the Siberian prison camp death of his chief opposition, Alexei Navalny. Senator Lindsey Graham tells Fox. Why don't we do this? I just got off the phone with uh, two Democratic senators. Let's make Russia state-sponsored terrorism under U.S. law. Let's make them pay a price for killing Navalny. It would allow the Navalny family to go to U.S. court and sue Putin's Russia for killing of their loved one. Burnsville, Minnesota, grieving over the domestic call killings of two police officers and a paramedic. The suspect barricaded his family with seven children. The kids were okay. The suspect dead. Today's the day trucker Chicago Ray predicts truckers will refuse loads to New York City, protesting the huge court judgment against former President Trump's real estate empire. America is listening to Fox News. Yeah, interesting there. You're, you heard basically two big news reports. You know, so basically the chief political opponent to Vladimir Putin in Russia was thrown in prison. That's what the Democrats are trying to do, not just to Donald Trump, but they're trying to do it to so many of you, too. Peaceful pro-life protesters, they are weaponizing the government against you, against their political opponents, just like Putin did to Navalny. So there you, there you have a story about the political persecution of Navalny, who is now dead, Dead, dead behind bars in, in Russia. And then you have the story about the ongoing political persecution of Donald J. Trump. There was one other point that Ted Cruz made yesterday on Sunday Morning Futures. But what this is about, this is about power and trying to destroy Donald Trump. Why? Because ultimately this is about attacking democracy. They want to stop the voters from voting for Donald Trump. It, it, it is dangerous, the, the, the brazen cynicism with which they're willing to abuse the justice system to try and stay in power at all costs. Now, Jesse Waters on Friday night also summed it up. I think, I think he said it very well. This is a financial assassination attempt. This is a financial assassination of President Trump. News alert, a judge in New York is ordering Donald Trump to pay over $350 million in fines and banning the former president from running a business in the state of New York for the next three years. This case was decided by a single judge, Judge Engeron. A strange guy, but not as strange as these charges. They were brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, who campaigned on fighting Trump, not crime. Remember, Letitia James visited the Biden White House three times. The woman brought a case that, according to the Associated Press, has never been brought in the history of the state. This statute was written to criminalize phony salesmen swindling folks out of their homes or fake doctors selling bogus therapies, crimes with clear victims and damages. In this case, there were no victims or damages. Not a single bank or Trump customer ever complained. Everyone made money and Trump paid hundreds of millions in taxes and employed thousands of people. Letitia James said Trump's penthouse wasn't as big as he said it was. And Mar-a-Lago was only 18 million. And Judge Nudie, we call him that because he takes nude gym selfies, 
agreed and slapped the Trump Organization with a killer penalty, even though an appellate court ruled that three quarters of this case had passed the statute of limitations. Now, legal experts say Trump will easily win on appeal, but that's not the point. This is a financial assassination attempt of a political target. The judge is also placing an observer inside the Trump Organization, in other words, a mole, for the next three years, to blow the whistle if he sees any fraud or if he notices the marble floors are too shiny. Now, if Trump wins re-election, expect the mole to declare fraud. All right. Well said there by Jesse Waters. All right, quick break here on Montana Talks. I think we've got a great guest joining us right after this. Uh, but but I see we've got Mike and Big Timber on the phone line. So, Mike, stand by. I'll try to sneak you on before our guest. Mike, Mike and Big Timber, stand by. I will get to you right after this. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we've got the phone lines open for you for most of the morning. Uh, we've got uh, two guests uh, joining us on the show this morning, Ashley Smith-Thomas. We're going to be talking about the uh, Hunter Biden uh, investigation and much more. Uh, she'll be later on in the 8 o'clock hour, and we've got a great guest joining us here in just a second, uh, Brian Massard with Reminis Angus Beef. We're going to get to him here in just a second. And then the rest of the time is uh, phone lines open for you. I do want to sneak in, though, real quick. We've got Mike and Big Timber on the phone lines. And before we get to our guest, I wanted to sneak in a phone call from him. Mike, thanks for calling in. Good morning, Aaron. Um, did you ever notice how hypocritical the Democrats are, and you mentioned it before with uh, using the example of John Tester's vote on the age limit for pilots, but how come they get so upset about Navalny being in prison and, of course, dying in prison, and yet they're trying to put the former president in prison? How come they don't get upset about what's happening to him? Or how come they don't just even just stay quiet about it, understanding the complete hypocrisy that they're displaying? Like, you would think they would have this this logical connection in their brain that would say, wait a minute, if we speak publicly against the political targeting of of political opponents like Navalny in Russia, people are naturally going to say, wait a minute, you're doing the same, you're trying to do the same thing to Donald Trump and others in America, right? Like, it's like, don't they realize, like, they're highlighting their own hypocrisy no they don't aaron and that's the problem they, they think they can get away with anything and i well, you're going to have a guest that's going to speak about speak out on the uh, hunter biden investigation yeah i would like to know if you could ask the guest is he going to be behind closed doors in public because that's what he said he wanted to do he wanted to testify in public and i'd like to know how that's going to turn out yeah it's usually usually the process is both they start with the behind closed doors kind of the nitty-gritty you know back and forth and then eventually then it moves into a public hearing uh yeah great great question i'll throw that to ashley smith thomas she is the uh, founder and ceo of freedoms fund usa and i think she used to be at the heritage foundation and and some other political assignments as well mike great to hear from you 
thanks for calling in. All right. Well, I mentioned we got a great guest on the phone lines this morning. You've probably been hearing a thing or two about uh, Reminis Angus beef and their jerky that you can find on the shelves uh, at Town Pump uh, locations and elsewhere across Montana. But, man, I'm trying to think. It was a few years ago. We were at the uh, T-Bone Classic for the Montana Stock Growers, and uh, I think we were golfing in Big Sky. And you're around one of the holes, and, man, they had some nice beverages. Let's just say there were some gorgeous beverages waiting for you there on one of the uh, one of the tea boxes. And then, man, a few years later, I'm at the Summit Cigar Lounge, I think, right in the middle of the Montana Stock Growers Convention. And, and man, then I try one of these Cattle Baron cigars. And these Cattle Baron cigars are some really good cigars. And, uh, and man, I'm, I'm, I was in Dillon um, a little over, was it last fall or? No, it would have been a little over a year ago. I was a, a, the headline uh, speaker at the Lincoln Reagan dinner for Beaverhead County. And they gave me like the nicest thank you gift. They, they gave me this little gift basket and it included some Reminis Angus beef jerky. And man, that jerky was good. Uh, and I was driving back in a snowstorm. So I was really glad I had some jerky to chew on <laughs> during that trip. Every single one of those companies I just mentioned, um, you know, all come. Uh, Brian Massard, you started all of those companies that I just mentioned, and and you got your cattle ranch in Dillon as well. Good morning. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it, it really is. Stuff. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with your beef jerky. What made you think, you know, because you you're a former president of the Montana Stock Growers. You've got your, your ranch, the family ranch there in Dillon, Montana. What made you think, hey, I'm going to get into the beef jerky business? Well, that's actually the last thing we got into. We we have always searched for, you know, being part of the Montana Stock Growers, being part of the cattle industry for years. All we've heard is added value, added value. And what that really equated to in my mind was, okay, if we don't do, if we don't work harder, try harder, and do all these things to add value, it adds up to discounts if you don't do it. And being in business with people who have had loans um, for over 40 years now, I just saw there's only so much value in the cattle side, and yet there's always a discrepancy on the meat side and, you know, you can look at all media, all media, everything. Beef is high priced. Beef is expensive. All these negative things on beef, and yet ranchers weren't making. Unless you were buried in five, six generations of, and the debt was all paid, it's been a tough. It's been a tough hoe, and I just could never figure that out. And so we started giving carcass data back to customers and feedlot data back to customers, thinking, okay, this will add value when they sell their calves. They can say mine are better, and here's proof of it and that added a little bit of value and it still wasn't enough and so just always searching on how can we give back you know it's you know our model has always been you know give give your customer uh, a product they need and a package they want to buy and with bulls we've been selling bulls we feed cattle for people that part's easy uh listen to people figure out what you need give them the best thing you can but then Beyond sale day, I always had that empty feeling of now what? You know, what else can we do? And so I got in a, you know, I didn't get into the vodka business to do that, but we got into the vodka business and we met for the first time beef consumers in Florida and in New York. And we got into the cigar business and we met more consumers going, you know, once they figured out I was a real rancher 
in the consumer's mind on all these different places, they just assume that the best beef in the world came from a rancher. And so they ask all kinds of questions, and they said, "You've got to, how do we get meat from you? How do we buy? And I was thinking, okay, if I could get into the boxed beef business, um, maybe we could make some money and pull that money all the way back to our bull customers, which is our ultimate goal is, is how do we make our customers money? If we make them money, then we'll be in business. And so that's a long story. That's how we got into the jerky deal. We, we got into the boxed beef business because for – 30 years being involved in Montana stock growers. Going clear back to 1884, Montana stock growers, one of the main reasons they organized was because of Packer concentration. Mm-hmm. And now that I've been in the beef business for three years, I understand that the Packers, the big four Packers that everybody talks about, are merely a symptom of the real problem. And the real problem is people are afraid to eat beef. Since 1959, people are afraid to eat beef because uh, saturated fat in beef has been blamed for heart disease. And not one time in our history, and you can look anywhere, has saturated fat ever been proven to cause heart disease. Not one time. Well, in fact, it's it's kind of funny because, like, now I think people are finally catching on to the fact that actually if you eat beef, especially if you eat Montana beef, it's actually – Good for it's one of the best things you can do. I mean, I, I you know I I do Billings Last Diet. That's the the program where I lost a bunch of weight a few years ago after my last deployment. And and you know it's it's an ideal protein program because you've got to have that ideal amount of protein. So you know it's so that where your your body maintains muscle mass but burns the fat and, and things like that. And of course you got to get your veggies and, and things in too. But but like you want that protein. You know you've got to have that protein. I mean, so many countries around the world are struggling because they don't have enough protein to feed their people. Right, and the the big thing is is the fat. The fat in it is uh, protein is the number one thing your body requires. Fat, animal fat is number two. Hmm. It's, which is amazing. So if you want to reduce your your heart disease risk, if you want to reduce your risk of cancer, if you want to go off of insulin, you know, there's so many of these carnivore doctors out there that have, have given up their practices because they weren't helping people. They were just prolonging their death. They're, they're putting people on carnivore diets and getting them off of medications, getting them off of insulin. It's amazing. And there, it's it's pretty amazing that people are still afraid to eat fat. People still think that fat is bad for them, animal fat, and it's actually one of the best things you can eat because our entire body is made of fat. Mm-hmm. We're, we're cholesterol, all of our cells, everything, and without that, it starts malfunctioning, and that's why we have so many autoimmune diseases. You know, they, they put the bulletin out in 1959 that fat was bad for you, and look at where heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and autoimmune diseases, obesity has gone since then. Mm. It, well, so it, it sounds the, like an oxymoron, doesn't it? That, well, if you're trying to burn fat, you need to completely avoid fat. It's like, well, actually, uh, even when I was going through the, you know, the, fa- the, the, ba- the basic phase one of, of the program, you had to get your basic fats in. Or your body would, would then feel like it had to store a whole bunch of excess fat. So you'd have to, A, get your, your, your ideal protein in. And then you would also have to, to, you know, they would add, okay, take a little shot of olive oil. Take this this measurement. Because if your body isn't getting the, the daily fats that it needs, it's going to go into starvation mode and, and start to hold on to everything. And, and so, but yeah, it sounds like an oxymoron. Hey, Brian Massard, if you can, stand by. Brian Massard, 
uh, with Reminis Angus out of uh, Dillon, Montana. Stand by. We got a hard break. We got to take here, but yeah, it was his gorgeous vodka. It was like this. I think it was the pepper flavored uh, uh, vodka that that they had at the. Uh, at the golf course uh, several years ago, but now he's got jerky, cigars, and more. Stand by. Tax Act can think of a million things more fun than filing taxes. Tax Act is going to name some now. Sitting in traffic. Folding a fitted bedsheet. Listening to your coworker talk about his fantasy team. Digging a hole. Digging an even larger hole next to that original hole. Unfortunately, Tax Act's filing software can't make taxes fun. But Tax Act can help you get them done. Tax Act, let's get them over with. Fox News commentary. Democrats will assemble a hip-hop task force to tackle racial inequality. I'm Tommy Lahren. More next. Get all of your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. From Trey Gowdy, the Fox News Rundown, Will Kane, Brian Tooley, and so much more. Go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Music is a powerful tool in culture, and Democrats plan to use it to tackle racial inequality. Representative Jamal Bowman, yes, fire alarm polling Jamal Bowman, announced the creation of a Congressional Hip-Hop Power and Justice Task Force. This task force will supposedly use hip-hop messaging to build a more equitable society for black and brown Americans. Part of the endeavor seeks to bring iconic rap and hip-hop artists into the political fold to address issues such as housing, income inequality, and health care for black and brown communities. Now, this is a noble endeavor for sure, but I'm not... Not so sure modern day rap and hip hop lyrics really convey the most positive messages. It's no secret that most rap and hip hop songs of today are riddled with drugs, violence, and the degradation and sexualization of women. So good luck finding the clean versions, Representative Bowman. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can watch my show, Tommy Laren is Fearless, at Outkick.com. Come, go there, and you can start packing. Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, Brian Massard with Reminis Angus on the phone lines with us here today. Yeah, in fact, you know, he was talking about his bull sales, and uh, they're, they're big bull sales. It's one of the big ones here in Montana coming up March 1st, so right around the corner. I can't believe it's already February 19th. That is just insane. So you got the bull sale. So we appreciate you freeing up some time this morning because I know those bull sales are, you know, quite quite the deal to get ready for. Yeah, they take up a lot of time. There's a lot of prep. That's right, yeah. Uh, well, your website, R-E-M-R-E-M-A-N-G-U-S-B-E-E-F.com. So your, uh, your Reminis Angus jerky, people can now find it. It's it's not in all of the town pump locations yet, but you've started uh, getting it in Billings uh, to Bozeman. So uh, our listeners, uh, 970 KBOL Billings, 1450 KMMS Bozeman. Uh, yeah, you, you'll be able to find it in your locations right now. And then, as I understand it, you guys are expanding uh, out to other locations pretty soon. Yeah, within the next couple of weeks, it's creeping its way north up through, uh, I think we're as far as towns, and it'll get up through Helena and Great Falls in the next couple of weeks. should be in, in all the town pump stores. Very exciting stuff. You were talking about how, you know, and, and producer profitability, 
producer sustainability. I mean, you know, listen, listening to the uh, the reports, the ag reports that our friend Lane Nordland has been uh, producing for us. I mean, there was one that really stood out where, you know, he was talking. This this is the buzz. This was the buzzword at the last stock growers convention, which is profitability. You know, given the tight margins right now, the high input costs, all the challenges facing ranchers. So you're trying to focus on, OK, how how do we stay profitable? How do we stay in business? How do we keep the family ranch in business? You, you tried to push into the box beef business, and even that was a challenge. And then eventually that's that's when you find, hey, wait a minute, this jerky thing is a thing. It's the first thing, you know, the, the jerky, the specialty items is the first thing that we have actually truly been able to add value to our product. I mean, we make, we make uh, all beef kielbasas, uh, breakfast sausage, bacon, the jerky, the summer sausages, salamis, and beef sticks, those are all added value to a part of the carcass that is, is losing a lot of money. So it's the first time in my whole adult life, wow, I could actually add value to something. And the jerky products is actually profitable where the boxed beef is not. And what I learned is that these, I have to sell to the little local grocery stores, and I have to be price competitive with Cargill. Cargill kind of owns Montana. And they're tied to associated foods. So you got your little local grocery store that would love to carry your beef, but if it's not priced the same or within 10 cents of Cargill, they won't buy from you hmm. um, because they got to stay in business because associated foods or Cisco is dropping off their paper towels, it's dropping off their bread, it's dropping off their jelly and their meat. And so they have to work with those big, they're almost stuck with those big distributors. And it is a pretty tough thing to actually get a cow processed, distributed to a grocery store. It, it, it's been the biggest challenge of, of my career for sure. But what I learned is the, the big four packers aren't the boogeyman. They're just a symptom of the USDA dietary guidelines that came out. Uh, there were some real fraudulent studies that went in back in the 50s. They're all exposed now. You can look them up on the Harvard website, the specific things that were done to demonize saturated fat in beef as the cause of heart disease. And so that's where it really started going downhill. And, you know, you look at, I grew up in the 80s when it was kind of towns, little towns were turning into ghost towns. And mm-hmm. they quit the football program at, at Western Montana. And I, had, I went to South Dakota for a year. And then through the 90s, when I started my bull test right out of college, out of nine breeds bull test, you know, there was over half of my customers had less than 200 cows. Mm. And they put all their money on the table, and they wanted to buy good genetics because that's how they added value at home. And they had to grow. They had to grow the herd. Brian Massard, we're out of time for 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 this morning, but man, we got to get you back on again to talk more about this because it's just fascinating stuff, especially given your background with the Montana stock growers and more. Uh, Brian Massard with Reminis Angus. Go to remangusbeef.com dot uh, com if or uh, hey, find the jerky on the shelves uh, from Billings to Bozeman right now. Brian Massard, thanks again for your time. Great to catch up with you.